0: I got with the pastor, I said, I asked him yesterday to call me. And I uh, come to find out, I just, all day long there was no calls. And I thought, well, what's wrong? Something, everything's so peaceful. And after a while, Sister Wood came up with a handful of calls, my phone had went out. So if any of you had called, the phone rang, but it wouldn't echo in there. So the trouble was down to the switchboard. They fixed it about 8 o'clock last night, or maybe a little before that. And the phone, the calls are coming through now. We're happy to be in the service this morning, I got an awful cold. That usually I get when I come home. Wait around in snow up to your waist, and sleep out at night. Never think of it away from here, but just cross that hill there at New Albany. Is all you have to do is get in this valley, and I got a bad cold. <laughs> and it's, um, I don't know, there's something right in the valley here that keeps it down and it's low, and it just don't agree with me at all. Now, um. We are happy to be at the church, as I said, and to be hearing our dear, good pastor offer his word of petition for us, and to the Lord Jesus, and, and to hear, sadly, hear so many sick and needy, and how the devil is on the rampage, uh, making everybody sick. And uh, a little lady raised up about her sister back there, and I know Sister Syres down there was with her. The doctor sent her home to die now. And she still believes she's going to be healed. And she's in a serious, very serious condition. My mother-in-law, the same way, 70 years old now. She's in a very bad condition, and certainly a lot of sickness around the country. And then there is the Holy Spirit around the country, see, wow. that heals our sickness. Well, we can only find favor with Him. Yeah. Now, being that my throat is sore, not sore, but it's raw, and I'm not going to try to preach, just speak to you a while from the Word and then go into praying for the sick, which I promised to do. But just before doing this, I would uh, uh, like to announce some more meetings. Uh, in my services, I have had kind of a little opposition of, not opposition, but just a little misunderstandings, and many times I, I don't have the outlets to my service. As, as many of the other brothers on the field have, such as radio and television and magazines and so forth. And in doing so, why uh, someone would say, "Brother be here I am advertising three places for this week, just today, three different places. One down in Kentucky, two in California that I know of." <laughs> and uh, there's nothing you can do about it because I haven't got any other official outlet, so it uh, makes it kind of hard. And if uh, there, uh, there happened to be someone from down around Madisonville Kentucky here I was announced to be down there last week and uh, I didn't know nothing about it and I come home and and they announced it and the brother that did it the name of Effings, or I believe that was his name with all the good faith he did it he called me and asked if we could just drop down to, to be a blessing and get a blessing from his people and uh, he called I told him to ask for the more well, then, I had to leave. I told him I had to leave the same day. Well, Brother Moore failed to let anyone know. And when, or let me know, or let my wife know. So I was up in Idaho and just come back and the meeting was on. So, so I've seen doing that. They can't make arrangements in Louisiana for things that's going on here. So I just took over the arrangements myself to make my own arrangements for the meetings and tell my meetings as I've just kind of... Oh, I don't know. Uh, I think confession's <coughs> good for the soul, don't you think so? Uh, I've just been too dilatory about these things. And just letting anyone anywhere, just haphazardly <laughs> let it go and I find out it doesn't pay. After a long time you put, you have to have some system to it. And now I am trying to make the arrangements and I and I'm going to see Mrs. Arnold. I, there's a man here in Louisville. It's been very good when it's having meetings here and his name is Brother Durden, and he wanted a, a night or two service. I'm going to see her little Teddy, I believe Teddy Arnold, um, for some time this week. And then the coming Saturday and Sunday, if I can, the Lord willing, I want to be down at Madisonville. They had twenty-five, thirty ministers out there. All of them sitting there come for some six, seven hundred miles. Well, no one there, so uh, I wasn't there. And most of them own, but I just, it just threw misunderstanding or neglecting the calling. I'll try to be down there next weekend, the Lord willing. Then on the 5th to the 6th, uh, Brooklyn, New York. And then uh, from then on the 14th, 15th and 16th, and Parkersburg, West Virginia. Just made those two arrangements last night and this morning. Now, Charlotte, South Carolina, is just on the list, but I don't know. Then the holidays come on, and we're going to the West Coast, which you're fixing a a big auditorium, meeting. these are Little meetings like high schools and things like that. The one over there on the west coast is going to be a a two cities, a joint city um, meeting of um, Oakland and um, San Francisco. And then the Phoenix delegation, meaning Brother Roberts can't be there this year, uh, I'm to kind of take his place down at Phoenix in in the whole Maricopa region uh, meeting. That's a union effort. And pray for me because I, I, I need it. And I realize that every time faith sets itself up, that heaven turns ever a gun in hell, i do on it like that, you see. So it makes it pretty hard. So this morning to pray for the sick, I really want to read some of God's eternal word and speak just a few moments from the scriptures and then have prayer for the sick. Oh, how I love to talk about him, don't you? I just love to talk about him. Now, I want to read out of the Bible, 2 Kings, the second chapter, the twelfth verse, a portion of it. And Elijah saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And now, for a way of uh, a text or a subject, I want to speak on a second-handed robe. May the Lord add his blessings as we talk to you this morning, and you be in prayer for us. During this time of the reign of Israel in the land, Israel was a nation, and it was a mighty nation, and it was kind of a peaceful time among the military part of it, but in the the spiritual part of it, it was uh, kind of a, a time of of impersonation, and if we look back into the Old Testament, we can always uh, find uh, examples of what's going on today, always in the Bible. The things that are now are just the antitypes of what was at the beginning. Now the book of Genesis produces everything that's in the world today. There's nothing in the world but what didn't begin in Genesis. For it is the beginning. In there started every ism. In Genesis started every uh, thing that started. And the true church started in Genesis, and the false believers started in Genesis, and the indifference started in Genesis. Genesis was the beginning. And now, during the reign of Elijah, or the pilgrimage of Elijah here on earth, which was uh, God's prophet for the hour. And God has never left himself on the earth without a witness. God has always, somewhere, some place, had a person that he could put his hands on and would stand for a witness. So if he did that down since Genesis, the beginning, surely somewhere God has a man that he can lay his hand on now. For he's more than one man now. He has many men that he can lay his hand on. Because we're coming down to the the gathering time, the harvest time. Genesis was the planting of the seed and these six thousand years has been the maturing of the harvest and now the seed has become a seed itself. It went back to the blossom and from the blossom to the the fruit, and it's the gathering time now, harvest time. All the great things that started, the true church that started in Genesis, has come down to the fruit time, the fruit of the spirit. And the antichrist that started in Genesis has come down to its fruit. And we're just in the closing time of this world's entire dispensation, the of the morbid and. We're, it's the greatest time that anyone or at any age ever lived, is this time. It's a shaking time. It's a troublesome time for sinners. But it's a marvelous time for Christians because we know that we are, are packing up or gathering the last little uh, efforts together to go home and meet the Lord. Now, people, today, as you look around and see the great trouble and distress facing the nation, or a few nights ago I was talking to someone, was one of these here, lookout agents that watches, and they said, Brother Bram, we were just instructed by the government never to advise people anymore to lay down, the, wait in the window on the floor if the bomb hits, or never to go into a basement, because this new bomb that they could radio guide from Moscow to 4th Street Low, and hit right on the street, shoot it up, it's got tar things in it, explodes it, takes it so many thousands, so many thousands, got it to the stars and radar and drop it exactly on 4th Street Low, from Moscow, Russia. And when it would hit there, don't have to radio, use a plane or nothing, just screw off here and it'll land right there. And it will blow a hole in the ground of uh, the area, uh, the depth of 175 feet for 15 square miles, either way it goes, 15 square miles. There ain't nothing to do but get ready to take a flight upstairs is the only thing to do when them times come. Just think they can shoot 50 of them or 100 of them at one time, is going it? to do. It'll all be over within the space of, I believe it's a 60 or 80 minutes or, so, or seconds, rather, from there to here, to the entire annihilation of the whole thing would take place. There wouldn't be nothing left between Louisville and Henryville, and between Louisville and, and Bardstown or down in there, but one hole in the ground, a bunch of dust laying, and that's all be left. Besides the areas, it would go out and burn for miles and miles and miles beyond that. And while one's a drop in there and no another's dropping over somewhere else to meet with it, I'm so glad that we have a shelter, the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. No matter how many bombs or how many anything else, it's, we're safe there. So the world and the sinner not having this shelter or this safety place, it's a shaking time. I believe if I was a Christian I'd go crazy to thinking of what might happen at any time. And with a house full of little kitties and everything, I wouldn't know what to do. But I'm so glad that I can stand in my house and introduce to them a shelter that no bomb could ever touch or nothing else, Uh, Under the protecting wings of the Lord Jesus. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That is our protection. And what a great glorious time it is to know that all sin and struggles and trials of life will soon be over. It'll all finish one of these days, and we'll go home to be with the Lord. Now what's left is a time to preach the gospel and to bring into this great power as much as many as we can. And then as we see the pattern of our lesson today of Elijah doing his reign, he or his pilgrimage on earth, why he was a great mighty man. God was using him in mighty ways, with mighty power. And we find out that during this time, there was a group of impersonators who tried to impersonate Elijah, who tried to do the same things Elijah done. And so we find the same thing today, impersonations of Christianity, people who try to act like Christians, who try to make themselves Christians. You can't do that. God has to do that. He's the only one who can do it. So they formed a school, and called it the School of the Prophets. And they all went up to the School of the Prophets, and they educated them. And I can imagine all those preachers up there wearing the same kind of coat that Elijah wore. I can imagine trying to impersonate him on his voice, the way he spoke and the way he presented himself, everyone trying to do the same thing, because Elijah was a great man used of God. And we find the same thing today. I was listening to the radio broadcast not long ago. They got Billy Grimm's all over this country since Billy was in Louisville. Everybody trying to impersonate the same thing, almost comb their hair the same way and, and wear the same thing and uh, same kind of uh, voice and so forth, but you can't do that. You've just got to be who you are and what God made you to be, that's right, and so we find. How that perhaps in them days the same things took place. Now, God seeing, foreseeing that Elijah's days were numbered, that he had so long he could stay here on earth as everyone has, so he was going to have a successor to Elijah. And when he did, God called this man. He wasn't in no seminary when he called him. He was plowing a field with a yoke of ox doing uh, the service, of taking care of his mother and father, and God called him to be the successor of Elijah. Or Elijah. Perhaps many up to the school thought they were surely going to be his successor. They were going to wear his robe as soon as he was finished with it. But God does the calling. God does the choosing. God does the electing. God does the setting in order. God has set in the church. Amen. Some apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some evangelists, and pastors. God does that Himself. We cannot make one uh, hair black or white. Neither can we add one thing to our statue by taking thought. God, in His infant grace and by His election and His foreknowledge sets these things in order, and every wheel works just right. I like that. I would be a discouraged man this morning if I didn't believe in the election and the calling of God. If I thought that this world was left to the outcome of it by the power of man and by the wisdom of man and by the big fours and the UNs and who never even mentioned God's name. I'd be a discouraged person. But I'm not looking to that for the yeah. outcome. I look down in the pages of this old book here, where God wrote it out, and everything will come just exactly the way He said it. And that's all. So the only there thing you for me to do is not line up with them, but line up with Calvary, line up with God, line up with His Word, say His Word. No matter how much it looks like it's going to be that way, it's going to be the way God intended. It can't be nothing else. For he and the infant knows the end from the beginning, and he makes everything come to his praises. That's right. All things will have to work together. Everything will have to shape right up this place. My, if that wouldn't make the courage in a Christian, nothing can go wrong. After all, it's not our battle, it's his. It's not our wisdom, it's his. The only one thing we have to do is put our faith and trust there and step still and see the glory of God. Amen. God moves around to its place never wheel moving it may be scattered from side to side, but it'll move right into its right place when God speaks the Word. Hallelujah. He knew the end from the beginning. He knew who he was going to choose. He knew Elisha would take Elijah's place before the world was ever formed. Amen. Everything has to work just exactly right. And we're worried about our loved ones and so forth, will they ever come in? Their names, if they were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, they'll work right in there. That's the only thing you can do. We give, witness, and shine the light. God does the one that brings it to us. Now, notice in Elijah, then after he threw his robe on him and tried it on him, in other words, Elijah the prophet who had the mantle of God on his shoulders. He came down and laid it across Elisha, the farmer, to see if it would fit him. And it takes him about ten years to get altered to fit that mantle. You know, God usually puts us in the shop and trims us up. Now, He didn't alter His robe to fit Elisha. He ordered Elisha to fit the robe. And that's what He does today. He orders us to fit the robe, not the robe to fit us. Amen. Sometimes we want to make the robe fit us, but we can't do that. You've got to let be altered yourself for the robe. Amen. It's God's robe, and He made it perfect. Amen. And we've got, He's got to bring us into that realm to make the robe fit us. Amen. So we can't be perfect ourselves. We know we can't. There's no way for it to be, and yet He said, For us to be. So, but what he did, he made a preparation for us. The Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That's where the perfection comes of Amen. ignoring our own holiness, of which we have none, and our own thoughts, which ought not to be. But we rest solemnly upon the finished work of Amen. the Lord Jesus. Amen. God sent him to the earth, and it was in him that we rest. Amen. Notice. All these years, as far as we know, he just had that one baptism of the robe going over him. But through the years, God had molded the man's character into a place the where every called, that he would fit into the robe and be the servant of the Lord. And then when Elijah passed through and stood on him and he started up towards. Gilgag and many of the other places, they went on to the school of prophets, on their road, journey on. And finally Elijah was trying to get Elisha to turn back. Did you notice it? Trying to get him to turn back, said, I, otherwise maybe the road's a little too steep for you, son. Maybe it's a little too narrow for you to walk. You know, where Elijah was was straightness. And wherever God's true servant preaches the gospel, it's a straight, unadulterated gospel Amen. for it preached. Well, one day He went up there to the school of the prophets to visit Him, and they asked Him to leave. They said, it's too straight around here for us. What we need today is some more straight gospel preaching that will separate the weak from the chaff, or the right from the wrong. Amen. Make what's right right, what's wrong is wrong. All these fellows with their experience and all that they were, they sent out to get something to eat, and one of them got a wild vine and gathered some wild gourds and cooked up some death in their ecclesiastical pots. And the first thing you know, they cried out, There's death in the pot. But Elijah, with a double potion, knew what to do, so he put a handful of meal in the pot and said, Now go right ahead and eat it. In other words, they uh, today, in a type I would think that we've got a lot of Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Pentecostals, and everything else all mixed together, in one fights against the other. And we don't need to house the whole thing and do away with it. We need another handful of meal. Keep the same church. The meal was from the house of the school there, which was the meal offering that the people had brought in, and the first fruits of the harvest, which was ground with a certain bird that they ever grain a meal the same. And then, when this meal being the same was the type of Christ, meal is life. And when the type of Christ, the meal, being ground up the same, meaning Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And the meal in the meal offering. And when they put this meal into there, putting Christ into death brought life. Amen that's what makes the difference. In our dead form, in our differences, in our ecclesiastical arguments and everything, if we would just bring Christ into it, it would change death yeah. and separation into life. Amazing. If we would just do it. There are 19 million Baptists in America. with 13 million Methodists in America. There's 11 million Lutherans in America and 10 million Presbyterians in America. And God only knows how many Catholics, which outdo any of the denominations. But in all of it, what do we need? A handful of meals. Amen. We need to bring life to the church. Amen. And Christ is the life. Amen. He came to bring us life. So, they have their disputes and their schools and their theology and so forth, and then Elijah told, Elijah, you better turn back, because the way may be a little hard, but a man of God who's once tasted or been thrown across his shoulder the role of God's righteousness and power its not too easy to turn back. When I heard the pastor said this morning that are, many are becoming discouraged, what we need others is take courage. Amen. What we need is to be encouraged. It's right. Trials right. may come. We never will promise to be immune from them, but He'll give grace to go through them. Amen. If the mountain's too high to go over, too deep to go over, too wide to go back, He'll give grace to go through it. That's right. Amen. Just don't worry, but keep your eyes on Christ for he's the only one that can take us through. Oh, really? Now, we see him as they journey on, come to the school, and he says, you stay here now, be here and settle down and be a good teacher of theology and so forth, and you probably someday may become the dean of the college here. But I've got to go on down a little farther. Could you imagine a man got being satisfied to be a dean of a college? When the power of God lay right around where he was standing, no, sir, he said, As the Lord liveth and your soul liveth, I'll not leave you. I like that. Amen. Same it, no matter how much discouragement it comes from your mother, your papa, or from your pastor. Amen. On to the Jordan they went. They crossed over. And Elijah said, Now, what will you that I do for you? He said, a double potion of your spirit to come up on. He knew what he had a work to do. He said, a double potion, not just a good warm experience, not just a good handshake or a good fellowship with the rest of the church, but what I want is a double potion of what's the best now. I tell you, when God sets a man for a world test, he's got to have something better than the world God. He's got to have something better than the church's God. He's got to go for a double potion. If there ever was a time that a double potion is needed, it's today in the realms of the people. Something better, something higher. I can't I think beans and cornbread is very good, but sometimes I have to reach up a little higher. And we do that. We've got to. We've got to keep climbing. Israel was backsliding. If it kept staying on the same ground, he's got to be moving on or moving back. Uh, That's the way the church is. So as they went along, it wasn't but a few minutes until he said, you've asked a great thing, but nevertheless, if you see me when I go, you can have what you asked for. Now, that has to be failed. If you're sick this morning, if you're afflicted, there's one great promise, not by Elijah, but by God Himself. If thou canst believe, when you pray, believe that you get what you ask for, and you shall receive it. Amen. No matter what the doctor says, how much this goes or that goes, keep saying on, on the promise. Elijah, give him a condition. If you see me when I go, it'll come on you. There's the promise. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Sometimes I look at myself and think I've been such a jellyfish in my life. I've waited and missed many thousands of souls into the kingdom because I've waited and said, God, depend too much on our spiritual gift, And said, Lord, if you'll just show me, if you'll give me a vision what to do. And God gives a vision, then I turn around and let somebody talk me into something else. And oh, I have never come to this spot yet until I, like I have at this time, that I feel it's a thing that we must step out there because it's a and promise. God and the things that He has done, and the healing that He has performed, and the miracles in much has come down and have His picture taken by the side of it, and so forth, which has never been known since the world began, and then stand around like a jellyfish. It even makes me discouraged with myself. It's time to keep your eye on the promise. Amen. That's Amen. what by God's grace I aim to do it. I realize that every devil of hell will shoot at it. But by God's grace I aim to keep my eye on the promise. Amen. Elijah said if you Elijah said if you see me when I go, you'll have what you ask for. Amen. That's right. You gotta keep your eye on it. What's the promise? Now it us on the school. If you come back and say, hey, boy, how am I doing that? I'm calling right over behind the prophet. In a pale maybe. But he didn't care what the school thought, or what all the teachers thought. He didn't care what the neighbors thought, or the houses, or who looked at him. He kept his faith in the promise! What we need today is faith in the promise of God. And don't pay no attention to what this one says, but that one says. As a brother said, a minister had two girls that were mute. And that the criticism on divine healing, that the children cannot be healed. Don't pay no attention to the critics! Thank God. Keep your faith on the promise. Amen. God, God. said so. Amen. What kind of faith thing shall Jesus the sixth and shall raise it up? Amen. If he can make one death to hear, he can make another death to hear. We know by valuable proofs that he does that. Amen. If our faith on the promise, our eyes single, our ears single, our heart single, and one thing on Jesus Christ, and he's able to perform that which he has promised. Amen. Oh, when we think of that, it changes the whole thing. When we get that, God made the promise. God was the one that said it. Now here was God's representative said it. And now God himself has said it. Then what can we do? Nothing but keep our mind on that. But if you see me, when well, I go away, you can have the promise. Elisha kept his eyes on Elijah. No matter what hollers on each side, what's taking place on each side, What's taken a place before, in fact, he never even looked at it. He kept his eyes on the promise. There you are. Your eyes on the promise. I think of the lady that we visited the other night, is Starrin, and the uh, doctor telling her how bad she was. And I never told her, I told her loved one. And how impossible it would be for her to ever get well. Now, brother or son-in-law Anthony, about it. I said, if she can keep her eyes on the promise, Amen. no matter what takes place, keep your eyes on the promise. A few weeks ago, Sister Wood sharing Brother Wood, two bosom friends of ours here at the church. I was in Michigan with my friends Leo and Jean. We left the Chicago meeting and went to some of their people who, for two days to go deer hunting with bows and arrows, and on my road back. My wife had got a hold of me and she said, Pray for Miss Woods' mother. A cancer is eating off her face. And said, I've never seen Sister Woods so alarmed. She's weeping. Sister Woods has always been a hero of faith since God healed her boy with a crippled leg and healed her with TV and so forth. But she had given down. There at the room that night we prayed. Coming in, Mrs. Woods said, Brother Ben, we'll go over. And we went to her mother, which was a loyal. And she'd had a cancer on the side of her nose, and the doctor had tampered with it, scattered it to just a little ring the side of her nose and up just about an eighth of an inch from her eye, just the bone laying there done eating it just as fast as it could eat away. Go into the room and I knelt down I thought, I want to speak to her alone. And I goes into the room to pray with the woman. And while in the room, I thought, oh God, if you just show me a vision of what's going to happen to the woman. Mr. and Miss Wood sitting on the outside, Waiting to see what the visions would say. But while I was there I got condemned. I was condemned. By waiting for a vision it seemed like something referred back wasn't the calling. What you need a vision when the promise has already been said. So I knelt down and prayed and i prayed, Something just anchored on the inside. The faith of a promise. Come back out of Mrs. Wood. When I told her about it, she said, Did you see anything from Abraham? I said, I never exactly seen anything, but I felt something that told me that his promise was true, and he was going to do it, and I believe that he's going to do it. And in uh, less than 24 hours, the end of that cancer began to break away and a scab form over it. Cancers don't scab it, you know, unless it's dead. So there it was now, and the woman is healed and home. What a wonderful Christ, by Abraham. keeping our eyes on the promise, God said so. But when we are prayed for it sometimes, we go off and say, Well, it wasn't done just immediately, so maybe we'd better go back again. Oh, no! Keep your eye on the promise. God said so, that settles it. Abraham. That's all of it. If God said so, God's able to keep His promise, or he never make it. Abraham called those things which were not, and so they were. And for twenty-five years stood on the impossible, because he counted God, was able to perform what he had promised. Amen. And we are the children of Abraham by faith. Amen. Certainly Elijah kept his eyes on, or Elisha on Elijah, as it went on. And after a while the chair come and parted him, one to one side and the other. And then uh, he picked up Elijah. upon he stepped on the chair and went up and put his robe uh, off of his shoulders and threw it back to Elijah, because Elijah had grown into it, you know, so it did him right. And could you imagine? Oh, I want you to give me your undivided attention, <clears throat> as I feel my throat tickling. I want to ask you something. Could you imagine how Elijah felt when he picked up this robe? Wasted up on his own shoulders. Hey, oh! What a feeling! I don't mean this to be personal, but about ten years ago from the full figure, I preached on a sermon. David, the lawyer, with the sling in his hand and glides before him. In them days there were no healing campaigns on the field, nowhere, as we knew of. Oh how critical people were on divine healing. But there was something after meeting with a being. And the pastors told me that I was losing my mind. That it couldn't be so but from this same box here I spoke on David said Do you mean to tell me that this the armies of the living God will let that uncircumcised Philistine defy this Titus army? A little old stoop shouldered curly-haired boy with a sheepskin coat on and a sling shot in his hand? With a whole army of Israel standing back up and he alone walked out with a man with a a spear something 19 feet long and a a thing on the end of it made seven shulkins, maybe 20 pounds of steel sharpened. A 19 foot spirit with fingers 14 inches long, and David probably weighed like 90 pounds, and stood bouncing up and down like a little baby rooster, and saying, You mean to tell me, oh, Mother, that you will let that uncircumcised Bolivian, <coughs> if he stays in his place, let him stay, but he's defying the armies of the living God. Oh, my! what a hero.
1: And all of you are afraid they will fight?
0: Then let me have him." Oh, my! He said, The God of heaven let me kill a lamb with his shot. He let me kill a bear with his shot. And how much more will he deliver that uncertain I to the seen into my hands? Certainly. And when the first victory was won and Goliath was downed, the whole armies of Israel followed David. And they chucked heads and beat Israel uh, beat the Philistines fled into their own land. They backed them into the corners and sludded them and tucked their cities and everything and had the victory. Brother and sister, the same thing has been done. And the rims of the na- supernatural. When we set divine healing can not work. The days of miracles have passed. If the days of miracles is past, the days of God is passed. Amen. Amen. The church that don't believe in supernatural will finally die and God will leave the church. Amen. has to. And God gave the promise and God promises is eternal. Amen. Some time ago, when some girls were uh, fooling with radium and would dip it and paint the radium hands uh, on the watches. I have some on this one. And a girl made a mistake and touched the brush and stuck it in her mouth. It killed her. And years and years later, they took a microscope and put it on the skull of that girl, and they could still hear that radium going on It's endless. It keeps working on and on. There's no stopping to it. And oh, it's all If radium has that kind of an effect, endless, how much more will the endless, eternal, supernatural, all-powerful, yeah. all infant, almighty God, he yeah. has to have the same effect Amen. as he started. He has to have all two, for he's not the almighty old, all old kind yeah. of God. He's yeah. still waiting for somebody with a bully faith that will step out and challenge the enemy on the basis of his word yeah. and yeah. say that it's so. Yeah. And now, what happened? As soon as the great healing campaign started, then thousands of soldiers of God's man who lay back in little churches like Earl Roberts, Tommy Hicks and many of the other outstanding men on the field pulled their sword, and away they went. This sword, that cuts both coming and going, up and down and in and out, a deserter of the false, even to the mire of bone they pulled their bibles, their sword, walked out way seen seemed that it could be done, and we beat the enemy by the grace of God for the whole world had a healing revival. Amen. be done. Little pastors who had little two by four churches and so forth caught fire and seen the vision jerked the sword and went forth and defied the enemy. Right. How do you know there's great men, Congressman Upshaw, King George of England, and many great men who lay sick and afflicted are healed by the power of Almighty God. So there can't say nothing about them. Um, Come he was, and when he Elijah. After his whole heart's desire was to get that promise. He won the promise. That was his motive. That was his all. That was his life. That was his intent. Everything, all, oh, everything hung on getting that promise. Amen. Amen. I'm persuaded to believe that we're not sincere about this thing that we're talking about. Amen. If your whole motive supporting rest upon. Giving God praise for my healing. I'm determined to be healed by the power of God. Amen. I'm determined to live a Christian life. I'm determined to walk in peace with God. I'm determined to live it. I don't care what Mother says, what Church says, what Pastor says, what anybody else says, what the world says. I'm determined. That's the faileth in my heart. Amen. you are going to get somewhere then. Then, when Elisha saw that he was determined, Elisha saw that Elisha was determined, he gave him the promise. Now the promise was, if thou can see me when I go, if you can see me when I leave. Now that's up to Elisha. He wanted to hear the promise, so he kept the promise now, he's an if it, if you can see me when I go, now if you're sick this morning. And you want to be healed, I can prove to you, Christ gave you the promise. The promise is yours. If thou canst believe, if thou canst believe, don't be deceived. Now, Elijah, wrapped in the robe of Elijah, the prophet,
1: what a conqueror's watch!
0: How he walked, dragging the head. As a conqueror, he has heard the promise. He's heard the power. He was walking out of the water, right down the Jordan. Praise be to God, friends. And a believer this morning that's robed in the righteousness of Christ is walking towards the Jordan road. Amen. That's right. Let atomic bombs come, let it out of the way. My walking the conqueror. Amen. Um, Ah, fear not! I have overcome the world. Yes, sir. Remember what I have overcome the world. Christ said that! Elijah was walking with a second-handed robe on. He was not a soldier. Correctly. Coming to the Jordan. Ready? Let me say this in respect to you. Don't you put on somebody else's robe. That's all moth-eaten with doubts. Or all these deceits and superstitions and ups and downs that put holes in it and leak it all do. You put on the robe of the conqueror! right. Don't trust in your church who once taught salvation by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who once taught divine healing in tonight, all eat up with the moths of doubt and everything else. Well, the roll of him that's never lost the battle! Or you're on your road to Jordan. Amen. Now he had on a second-handed robe. That's true. And many of the people this morning have second-handed robes on. But when he comes to the Jordan, he realized that the robe alone wouldn't do the work. Amen. Right. And the church, the Methodists, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Presbyterians. Oh, we have school to mind. We have all the ethics of the Bible down pat. We've got all the and robe, all right, the promises. We've got it all. Oh, we are baptized. We're, down, we're very apostolic. We have all the apostolic faith. We believe in divine meaning. We believe in God. We believe in the powers of God. We are baptized in the Bible where the Bible says. We receive the Holy Ghost. We spoke in tongues. We do all that. But brother, if that's the only thing you need, you'll find your life too when you come to Jordan. Or oh, you may be taught. You may be smart. You may have a D.D., Doctor of Divinity. You may have a Ph.D., Doctor of Philosophy. You may have a Doctor of Latin. You may have all kinds of degrees. You may have a robe of the Methodist Church on you. You may have a robe of Pentecostal Church on you. You may have a robe of Assemblies on you. The oneness of the Trinitarians or whatever it might be. It's only a second-handed robe to begin with. Try some man made document been thought up, so forth like that. And even if you have been a Christian, and the church has been a Christian, and wrote correctly, but when Elijah, standing up, conspicuous to a whole bank line full of prophets and critics, see what he would do, and here he comes walking with Elijah's mobiles. Hey, oh <laughs> He's schooled otherwise. He's educated. He's submitted. He believes. There's nothing wrong with him. He's coming down to the door. The world's delossing him. Oh God. How do we need that today? He's, with many school and educated scholars. With many men who can tear that Bible apart and set it together and mathematics. Many men who can do great things in the ways of teaching, who know Bible history to the very moment, who can tell you the hour the candle was written the an hour is They can tell you all these things. And uh, they've got the water baptism, they've got the spiritual baptism as they call it, the roll They've got everything just in order. Don't be Elijah. But when he comes down to the Jordan to face the critical world, why did he cry? Where is the God of Elijah? Amen. It wasn't the robe of Elijah that did it. It was the power of the God of Elijah that did it. And the thing the world needs this morning is the power of the God of Elijah. We might have spoke with tongues and shouted and wrote on the floor, but what we need is the power of the God of Pentecost to produce the lies and pain that was lived in that day in the apostolic power. A second handed robe was all right. But he needed a fresh call in his heart from God. He needed a fresh anointing from God. He wore a second-handed robe when he came come to the river. But he needed a brand-new first-handed call from God and a first-handed power from God to perform the miracle. My brother, don't you be afraid to ask God anything. You must demand God or ask God for anything that He has promised, for if I am introducing a God that's omnipotent and all-powerful. if I be a servant of God, I must do the works of God. Amen. And if I do the works of God, I must demand of God to bring these things to pass because He's demanding of me to produce the impossible. Amen. I have to ask Him. I have to call upon him, him and say, God, you promised So do you. Every person. You shall receive power at one Amen. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. God. After you're to as a Christian. After your faith is set in Christ. Then you shall receive power. Amen. Yes. Let us sit through every one of us this morning. May I say this before praying for the saints? May I say this? By God's help. You pray for me as I stood ten years ago at this platform, came on David and Goliath. Now it isn't a Goliath that's hindered me; God has played him before me. But the thing that hindered me is a lack of peace, the lack of something that I know was around. And this morning, before this tabernacle again, I'm screaming, "Where is the God who gave this place? Where is the God who met me this yonder?" Amen. Come forward, God. Give me a courage. Amen. Give me a strength. Give me an eternal mind. Grant what comes of that. Whether it looks dark or it looks, whatever it looks like, move on. The promise is true. Amen. Brother, sister, one of these days to you, sinner friends here this morning, and to you people who are trying to impersonate Christianity, you may belong to church. That's very fine. I have nothing to say against that. Nothing against your fine scholarly education, or against your theology. I have nothing against that. But oh, where is the God? It wasn't Elijah after all. It wasn't Elijah who opened up that river. It wasn't his robe. Elisha took it from his shoulder. He folded it just the same way that Elijah did.
1: But when he began
0: to call to wave it, there was no power there. Then he cried, knowing that God was somewhere. Where is that God? something must have struck the prophet. for well, he waved that robe and struck the wine and she opened and she oh, And before the clergy of that day, before the crepe of that day, he walked across the Jordan, just like Elijah did before him. We don't need the teaching. We have that. But we need the God of Elijah. We need the power of the God of Elijah back in our church, the power to make us whole there and call God's Word rightly And we're everyone here this morning as human beings on our road to Jordan. And when he came to Jordan, you're going to arrive there one of these mornings or what are you going right. When he came to Jordan, he was walking as a conqueror. But when he came to Jordan, that was a difference. He had a second-handed rollerball on Another man had wore it. But it was a good rollerball. And he knew what the man was that wore the robe. Brother, sister, one of these mornings, i got to come down to Jordan. I'm thinking, this afternoon, we're going down to Brother and Sister Rice. Don't forget them. This is their golden wedding anniversary. Now, I believe the church here is going to, be, to have a, a dinner with them. I was thinking the other day, 50 years, and I see them both well aged sitting down. I thought, yes, I'm 47 years old. They just married three years before I was born. 47. I'm marching towards Jordan. I've got to come down. I've got to get there. I'm going to arrive there. It may be an accident on the road. I may drop in the air in a plane. I may be shot through with a devil's dart somewhere and die. I don't know how I'm going to but there's one thing I thought I was going. But I'm walking towards Jordan. But when I get there, I want to know one thing. That I got a second-handed robe on, too. I ain't trusting in mine because it's no good. For as soon as Elijah picked up Elisha's robe, he tore his into pieces. And threw it down. And that's the way it was when I found crying. I tore my own stuff up. My own ideas. My own nonsense. My little petty I thought when I was a little Baptist preacher, I just thought out of somebody, but I tore it out. I put on his robe. And when I come to Jordan, I want to find myself wrapped in his robe.
1: Amen.
0: He'll follow that. And we'll arrive there one day. Well, let us pray just a moment. Heavenly Father, as we're on our Jordan march this morning as conquerors, some day we got to present something to the Jordan. That's to death. Oh, what a horrible thing it will be, a separation from God. We can't cross over. No. But uh, Elijah, when he got there, he had on Elisha's robe, Elijah's robe. And when he took off the robe of the Elijah, the man who had been well-pleasing in your sight and you had accepted him and brought him up into heaven with you. And Elisha was wearing his robe, so he presented to the Jordan, Beth, the robe of Elijah, And it was accepted. And the Jordan opened, and he walked across. Dear God, someday we got to come down. We can't present our good works. We have none. We can't present anything in the world. I don't even desire anything to trust you present. But I trust fully in the merits of Jesus. You accepted him and raised him from the dead. And he was brought into the presence of God, and there it will abide forever. And God, I want to present that to you that I believe on him, and I love him. And by his grace, he has clothed us with his robe. And I pray, Father, that you'll help us now in the days of battle, and where the man of God must do the works of God. I pray that you'll let us take the robe of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and call for the God who lived in him. Granted, in Christ's name we ask him. why do we have our head bowed? I just wonder in this morning if there's a person who's trying to walk down the Jordan without the on. If there's a person who has not the robe of Jesus Christ on you. And though it was war one time by the Son of God, I wonder if you don't have that on this morning, if you'd raise your hands to God and say, Dear God, this hour, I now want to accept it. God bless you, lady. For someone else to raise your hand. God bless you, son. Someone else has just raise up your hand. God bless you, little boy. God bless you, young man. Someone else will raise their hand. God bless you back there, sir. You say, by God's help this morning, I want to forsake my self-righteousness, my own ideas and my thoughts of pleasures and big time and sin that I've lived in. And I want Christ to put his robe on me this morning I'll use His robe. I know it's a perfect one. God bless you, son. Someone else say, I'll just raise, raise your hand and say, I now want to accept the Holy Spirit in my I want to be robed in His righteousness. When I get there that day, I won't present myself and say, well, I, you know, I bought somebody from coal. I've done this. That's nice. That's very nice. But that, something had to die for you to live. And only through the act of that can you be saved. Will you raise your hand? say, Christ, I now forsake my own ways, I accept your ways. Now, I want you to have mercy on me when it comes to the end of the road. All right, God bless you, lady. God bless you. All right. Now we're going to have prayer. Now, righteous Heavenly Father, some seven, eight, ten hands as up. I do not know their status down north all about them. I do not know. But they are in need today and they realize that they're in need and they're willing to come and accept help in a time of trouble, to see that the great hour is at hand now, the atomic bomb, the great things that's waiting for us. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will bless these people, and today lay your hand upon them and take away all their iniquity and doubt, and may they throw away their old moth-eaten robe of self-righteousness, or the canker worms and the crickets and the malls of superstitions and church entity has eat holes to it and they it won't hold any longer, may they just throw it away and reach over and get the robe of the Lord Jesus. So I trust in him. i wrap myself not in my righteousness or on my own thoughts, but from this hour on I'm trusting you. Grant that they'll receive it Father, for we ask it in Christ's name, Amen.